Well, good evening. How are we doing? Can I tell you that you are, for those of you that realize this when I make this statement, you are literally experiencing history being made tonight at Calvary Chapel Sebastian. Yeah. So thanks for showing up. <laughs> thanks for showing up. Hope you're doing well. Um, I, uh, I, I want to let you know, Pastor Craig was like, hey, it's a little chilly outside. But you know, this morning at 9 a.m., I was in the worship room telling the band, at 9 a.m. this morning, I was on Lake Michigan this morning, and I, was, I, I had a, a, a suburban full of football players, and we were getting ready to, the coaches came to pick us up, and we were getting ready to head back to the airport, right? And, I, and, there was, and it was snowing. And there was a lot of snow on the ground, and I just picked up a whole handful of those. Of you. How many of you are from up north? Oh my goodness! Someone take a picture of that. Is there anybody here that's original? Like every hand went up. So you know what's about to happen. I picked up the biggest amount of snow, and I got in. I was the last one in the in the suburban, and I just I just went. And I threw the snow all over the back seat, all over the front, even hit the coaches in the front seat. We were cracking up. And I'll tell you what, that made my day, and I just got in. And so uh, I'm excited to teach, and uh, we've got something really cool um, that uh, we're going to be sharing with you a little bit down the road uh, for these weekend services. But um, I'm just really glad to be here, and thank you for being faithful all these years. So we are in what book? What book are we starting? The book of John, and I encourage you that um, every weekend, if you're out of town, jump on our podcast. We're recording this, and eventually we're working on getting cameras in here so you can watch it live on, on our Sebastian webpage. There's just so many things that Pastor Dave Folkerts and all of us pastors here at this campus are going to be moving the ball little by little, so you don't, change, you don't turn the ship quickly, right, because you lose your passengers, so you turn it slowly, but we're very excited but I want to I wanna encourage you, to, when you come in, grab the notes that are in the podium and take notes. And take notes in the book of John. How many of you have been through the book of John it, you, or read a, a lot of it, right? Probably, when, if you're like me, when you first got saved, you read the book of John because why? It was an easy documentary of Jesus' life, wasn't it, Steve? And it was an easy documentation, and we could understand it, right? We don't want to start a book in the Old Testament like Numbers or Deuteronomy. It's like, you freak out as a new believer, wouldn't you? It's like, I can't do this. So I'm excited about that. I encourage you to take notes. And um, the brand new series that we're starting this weekend, it is called that you may believe, that you may believe. And I want to, I want to describe that a little bit and break it down. See, the writings of the book of John, they, they, they really point to one purpose and one purpose only. And that purpose is that whoever reads it, even the skeptics, even the unbelievers, that when they read this, that they literally believe in Jesus Christ and that he is the son of God. In fact, the very last verse of this book in the very last chapter, look what it says. This is what the author has said. And, and after we go through the whole book, here's what he says. But all these are written, so what, church? So that you may believe. 
Isn't that cool? John gives us the purpose of the book after we get through the whole book. And he says, I wrote this, I documented this, the Holy Spirit gave me this so that you would believe that Jesus is who he says. And so the title of my teaching tonight is God Has Come. And so if you've been a Christian for a while, you get that, that that God has come, but God is also here, isn't he? And so the book of John, if you will, answers those who are opposed to Jesus. They're opposed to him. They reject his, his identity. They reject his deity. They reject anything about him. In other words, the book of John will prove, and the word deity is a small word. And he said, well, what does that mean? Deity simply means that, that it's, it's a supreme ruler. It's, it, it's, it's, it's more than, than, than just, it's power. It's, it's, it's like the highest amount of power when we think of God. And it's his deity. And God truly is three people. He's a trinity. And so the book of John, and I'll get into that, but the book of John will increase our faith in three ways. And I want you to to just listen and think about this as you go through this. When we go through this book of of John, here's what it's going to show and prove to all readers, and it has been for, for years and years and years and thousands of years, but it will prove without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is who he says he is. It will also prove that Jesus did what he said he would do. And finally, the truth of the gospel, which is the word of God, well, it will complete the purpose that God had. And that is, is that the whole world would be saved through his son. And that's what we're going to learn. And so I hope that my faith, your faith, those that are listening online, that all of our faith would be increase. So before we get started, I want to ask you a question real quick. How many of you, and there's many of you here and and listening, but how many of you know someone in your family or someone that's very close to you and they don't believe in Jesus Christ? Put your hand up. And what I mean by that, you can put them down. What I mean by that is they don't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe that he died on a cross for your sins. They don't believe in that purpose. Okay. And they also, maybe they don't believe that he rose on the third day. They might also not believe that there's a heaven and that there's a hell. They may not even believe that he's the son of God. And so what this is going to do is that this is, this is, going, to, this is going to not only help all of us and any readers that read it because of the power and the anointing of the word. And the Bible says that the word does not fall void, but also we're going to see that this book was written and that John is writing this and much of the scriptures in this whole book, Jesus will be talking to those who oppose him. And he is saying, I really am who I say I am. How many of you are parents? You're not parents. Why do you say your parents, right? And it's like you defending, it's like we had kids and you ladies are like, we birthed the kid. We have pictures, we have film. Well, maybe not film, but we have pictures, right? Maybe not pictures, they didn't let you in there. When I had my kids, 
they let me in the room. It was crazy. And now they don't do that anymore, I hear. But they let me in the room. I was like right in the room with my wife. But it's like, it's like telling a believer, it's like you don't have kids. You're not parents. It's like, wait a minute. You know that you know that you know that you have kids. And this is really the essence of how John feels when he's defending the deity of Jesus Christ to all those who would listen and to the culture of people around them. But I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this next question because it's personal for you. But listen to what I would ask you. Maybe something has happened to you. Maybe you've had an illness. Maybe you've had a loss. Or maybe even your own mortality scared you. And you found yourself questioning this Jesus that I received as my Lord and Savior. Is he really real? In other words, maybe there's someone here listening tonight and you say, my whole life I've been in church. All of you have a story. Every single one of you have a story. I was raised in the church. I believed in Jesus at a young age. And you kind of go in this, you know, I love these new cars. You put them on auto drive. Did you see the new truck? Guys, you truck guys, raise your hand if you're a truck guy. Yeah, do you see the new truck that's out by GMC? And they're clapping that we will rock you, right? That's ridiculous. Like, who really wants to buy a truck and trust a computer system, right? But we kind of look at Christianity like that, where we kind of, we've been doing this for so long that we just believe what we believe, and we go in this autopilot mode in our mind. And then something happens. I was in a conversation with somebody just this last week. And they're going through some things. And it's definitely going to rock their world, right? And I sat and I met with him. And he said, David, because we're friends. And he said, David, you know what's interesting? Since I got this news, I've been questioning, am I really saved? Because I'm, I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Is there really a Jesus? Am I really going to meet him? I was laying in bed, and he says I was laying in bed. And I was wondering, what if there isn't a heaven? Have you ever been there? Don't raise your hand. Has your faith ever wavered? Have you, like, questioned your belief system? I have. I've questioned it. And I want to share with you. Maybe you're here today and you think, how could God create everything that we see? Just think about everything you saw today. The sun, the moon, the light, the dark, earth, water, whatever you did today. It was all created by God. Have you ever thought, how did God really create this by just speaking? Speaking it into existence? You ever thought about that? Have you ever been challenged with that thought? How do you defend it? What do you say? You know what it boils down to? It boils down to one word. And that one word is faith. Church, faith is a gift from God. It is given to you. The only thing God requires us to do is he requires us to activate it. 
You say, well, Pastor David, how do you activate faith? You just, you just believe. You start to believe. Even when you don't know if you believe, you tell yourself, I'm going to believe this. When you come to church and you open the word, that's why I said, bring your Bibles. Look at the word. Let the, the power of the word of God penetrate your soul. Let the Holy Spirit in you confirm truth in your hearts. And that's how your faith is built up. And we know that trials build our faith up. And we know that tribulation builds our faith up because the word says that, hey, when you're going through something really crazy and you still say, but nevertheless, God, I love you. Nevertheless, God, you're going to work this out. I don't know how. That's what builds faith up. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I love this. By faith, say by faith. By faith, we understand that the universe <laughs> was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what was visible. See, for every lack of belief or wavering of our faith that we may have, if we search the scriptures, God will give you a scripture to say, I know you have, you have little faith. What did he say to his disciples when the storm came? You have little faith. How many times did he say that to the disciples? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? So if that's their disciples and they watch these crazy miracles that blows your mind, Jesus should have charged them to do it in front of them right? They saw that and their faith still wavered. And here we are. We see miracles. We've heard of miracles, right? But everybody's faith wavers. And guess what? If your faith has wavered and you're too embarrassed to say, that's me, pastor, guess what? You're normal, God understands we have our weak moments. Listen to this. It's by faith that we believe that creation exists because the hand of God created it. It is by faith that we believe that Jesus walked the earth, died on the cross, and is seated at the right hand of the Father right this very moment. It is by faith that we receive the Holy Spirit, God in us as believers and receivers of salvation, that God has come and lived in us. We don't, not, we don't need to have a goosebump moment to see and feel and know the presence of the Holy Spirit upon us. Amen? Some of us like it. I like it. I like aha moments that just floor me. I'm all about that. Because God really wants to impress something on our souls and in our spirits. But nevertheless, by faith, we believe that the Holy Spirit is living in us. And so the book of John is going to take us, as we go through this series, it's going to increase our faith as we follow the footsteps through these next 21 chapters. By the way, there's 21 chapters, and I don't know when we'll get through it, but we'll get through it. We'll plug away, right? And so God will increase our faith. And will you make that commitment 
with me that as we go through every weekend, weekend by weekend, there's gonna be different pastors up here. I'll be teaching, all four of our pastors are gonna teach. You're gonna get to know our personalities. We're very different. Our teaching styles are very different. What I'm asking you to do is don't go, well, I'm only gonna come if this pastor, don't do that, (laughs) right? I've already explained, we need to hear the word of God. Don't do that. And don't tell each other, well, we like this, don't do that. I won't come to your house and go, well, I like her house when she has us over for dinner. I like his house when he has us over. I won't do that to you. Don't do that to us. It's the house of the Lord. We're all here to learn. And so it's going to be wonderful. And these pastors are so excited. They have so much built up in them to teach. And so we're just, we're just going to trust the Lord and go with that. So as we start out on these first three verses, if you're there, John chapter 1, verse 1. We see that John addresses this question, and here's the question, where did Jesus come from? And I wish I had a whole service that I could just teach on these three verses, because church, it's powerful, it's real. It is incredible. Some of you know how incredible these words are, but John is going to take us back to the beginning of time you're there. Look at verse 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and he was with god when in the beginning and through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made and so the first three words of of verse one in the beginning Well, when was in the beginning? Well, certainly, in the beginning means it was before I was born. It was before all of you were born. In the beginning means that it was before the city of Sebastian was ever found and developed on this map on this planet, right? It was, in the beginning, was before the great state of Florida was established. How many of you are glad you're living in Florida? Amen. We could go through 20 reasons why it's good to be in Florida. In the beginning means that it was before this great nation was given independence. And in the beginning means that it was before the earth was formed and before the galaxies were formed and spoken by God and created. In the beginning means that it's the beginning of time. There's no, there's no way for us to even conceive what the beginning of time looks like, but it was even before God even spoke creation into night and day. Before he created the animals and the waters. It was before that. And that's what that verse is telling us. It's saying you, you're, you can't even wrap your earthly wisdom or minds around what in the beginning means because there was nothing but there were three things, and that's what I want to talk about. You know, the book, there's a book in the Bible, and the very title of the, the, the book means in the beginning. Does anybody know what that book would be? Genesis. Good job. Genesis. So I've got verse 1, chapter 1, verse 1 in Genesis up on the screen. Look what it says. There's those three words again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I highlighted that word God because that word God in the Hebrew translation means Elohim. 
And it means that it's a, it's a plural noun. It's plural. And it means, plural means many, right? More than one, right? So we see here that in the beginning, there was more than one. It wasn't just God. See, it was a tri-unity, in other words, trinity. And we know that the trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. There was unity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they existed at the very beginning of time before we even knew what time was. And this is what I mean when there's a, a, a deity of God, because it's just the supreme ruler of everything. We can't even wrap our minds around that. And in the beginning, we see the Trinity present, and we see the unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And John says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is John saying in this verse? Wrap your mind around that with me. You still with me? Okay, because I'm going to plunge deep a little bit here. It's, it, I've got it up on the screen. What is he basically saying? In the beginning was the Word. What that means is, is that Jesus existed beyond time. And I'm going to show you why I can say that the word is Jesus in a moment. But the second thing I want to point out with that verse is that the word was with God. You know what that means? That means that we see personal communion with the Father. Between God the Father and Jesus his Son. We see this divine communion. Now you're in your Bibles. Scoot down to verse 14 for me. John 1, verse 14. You're going to love this. It says the what? The Word became flesh and did what? Made His dwelling among us. You see how I can go back to that now and say in, in, verse, in, in verse 1, when it says the Word was with God, and then verse 14 says, and the word came down in the flesh. You see Jesus there? He's not hidden. He was with God, and then he came to the earth. And so this word that was with God from the beginning of time has now been sent to earth to do what? To dwell among us. Now, I wish I could have been there during those times. Well, not really, because it was kind of chaotic. We think today's chaotic. It was chaotic, but you had Jesus and he had Jesus in the flesh. How, you know, like that's big, right? And so Jesus, who was with God from the beginning of time, was sent by God to give us the message, the word. And get this the word is also known as the gospel, isn't it? The word of God is the gospel message, the gospel, the salvation, the free gift. That brings salvation. And all this is from God. And so you see how in the beginning they were all together. And I want to talk about that. Why, why is it important to understand this before we get into all the stories that Jesus is going to tell us in this book? It's important because I want you to know this. The very nature of God is to reveal himself to us. Think about that. God up here, however you picture God, he's not an angry God. He's not aloof. His heart and his desire is that we would know him. Now, how's he going to do that? 
Well, he's given us the word. Verse 1 covered that. But he also sent his son. By his son walking on the earth, even though we weren't there, but reading in the book of John, we're going to know God's heart for all mankind. We're going to see God's character. We're going to see God's humility. We're going to see God's love. See, church, we get a picture of God through his son. And that's the way he designed it. That's why he sent his son. All those reasons. And yes, he sent his son to die for your sin and for mine. And so you see, is that cool? One verse, all that unpacked, right? And it's, it just, it's mind-blowing. Now, listen to this powerful statement that I came across. Only through God is God made known. Everything that I've taught you so far, you see how that fits in there? See, only through God can we know God. And he went to the extreme from the very beginning of time so that we could know him. He's made known because of his son to you and to me. Now, question, up until Jesus' presence on earth, a.k.a. New Testament, right? what did we have that, so that we could know God? Does anybody know? What, what was given to us? There you go, I heard it. Ten Commandments, right? Ten Commandments. And where was that? Old Testament. Now, who was the Old Testament given to? Who was it designed for, technically? The Jews. God's people. God's chosen people, right? And so up until the Gospels, the New Testament, okay, the people were given the Old Testament. So what they knew about God was given to them. Now, the Old Testament, I heard it, the law, the Ten Commandments, that's what the Ten Commandments are. It was called the law. Now, what was the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law was so that God's people would follow his instructions to obey him and to walk in his will. Right? You all agree? But here's the problem. Man could not do that. Just like you and I, people messed up. (laughs) They had a bad day. They weren't thinking. They had a dumb moment or they had a desire, or a craving, or something in their flesh rose up, and they sinned against God. Are you with me? And so we can't point the finger to the Old Testament. People say, well, you were sinners. Because they'll put their, point their finger back and say, well, you guys are sinners too in the New Testament, right? And so the problem, or the, the situation here, is that God had to deal with man's sin. Even though he gave them the law, man still sinned. Uh-oh. Now, was that a problem for God? Did that surprise God? No way. And so what happens is, what is sin? When they didn't do what God said, now we see sin. Where was the first sin committed? In the garden. You're going to love these weekends. They're interactive. I'm sorry. You know, some of you nod off when that was up there. You're not nodding off now. It's like, it's, it's class time. Bring your text. We're good, right? I'll never call you out. I'll never call you out. But this is interactive. This is how we learn. This is how we get excited about it. So what happens is now we have this problem called sin. God goes, well, how can we deal with sin? Well, sin's against God. It separates. So 
We had to be forgiven so that we could be made right with God. How does that happen? God gave an animal. We sin, an animal is killed, blood is shed, and then your sins are forgiven, right? And then we are made right with God. And I put it this way, it took a life to save the life of the sinner. And it was on an animal, right? So here's another question. We already answered it. John was proclaiming the gospel to the Jews, the chosen people. Now, who were the Jews waiting for after God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring someone. It's going to be a new covenant. I'm going to make a new covenant with you. They were waiting for the Messiah, weren't they? They were waiting for this Messiah. They were anticipating that God would send a new Messiah because the Old Testament scriptures told them that. And you can find a prophet in Malachi 3.1. You see it. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way for me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. That's a promise from God. And it's a prophet that spoke it, so we know that prophecy, if it's spoken, it's just a prelude to what God will do. And he will do it. It's a promise given through a prophet and God will fulfill it. That's what prophecy is. But see, here's the deal with that. When Jesus hits the scene, they didn't believe he was the Messiah, did they? They were waiting for another prophet. Jesus was everything else to them, a teacher, a prophet, rabbi, whatever, but he was not the Messiah. He was everything else but that. And in verse one through three that we just read, John, understand what's happening here. He's hitting the people that are listening. He's going, he's saying, listen, I'll read it again. John was establishing to the Jews that Jesus Christ was the very God and he, and, and he was with God at the very beginning of time, including the Old Testament. And he was establishing to the Jews that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, the one they were waiting for. And so Jesus replaced the old covenant as promised and became the new. Sin was once and for all paid for by his death on, your, on the cross. Aren't you happy for that? We, we believe in taking communion at this church every first Sunday of a full Sunday of the weekend. And this is what we read and this is what we do before we take it. You see it. This is my body, Jesus speaking. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the what? The new covenant. You ever think about that when we go through communion and I read it to you on the screen? Now it takes purpose in our minds, doesn't it? So next time we take communion, it's coming up at the beginning of February, when we say this is a new covenant, now you understand why. See, he's saying this is a new covenant in what? In my blood. Jesus is saying my blood that will be shed on the floor for you, that will drip on that sand below my cross, that's the new covenant, and it's once and for all paid for. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So what is John saying in verse 4? See, John is metaphorically speaking the very words of 
Jesus. And Jesus, the one who created the world with you know, God, has both life and light in him. Okay, And this is what he brings to the earth is life and light. When Jesus came to the earth, he came with both. In fact, the gospel message can be found in Jesus' very own words. I'm going to spoiler alert you and go a couple chapters ahead. It's on the screen, John 14, 16. Jesus' own gospel words. And he uses these two themes, life and light. He says, I am the way, you know this, the truth and the what? The life. No one comes to the Father through me. John 8, 12 Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, Jesus brought us life. They didn't know what that meant then, but we today know what that means when we puzzle these Altogether. So write these three points down. You see them on the screen. I'm going to explain it. Jesus Christ, the creator, provides three lives. Physical life. What do I mean by that? Jesus breathes life into these dead bones. What do I mean by physical life? Have you ever had a bad day? No? Good. We got a happy church. No, we're Christians. We don't have bad days. Jesus provides us Joy. Joy brings health. Joy brings peace. And so you see that connection? Jesus provides us physical life, but it's temporary. Next, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, provides what? Spiritual life. How does that happen? Remember, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live inside us when we received him. And, and so then when that happens, church, we live a life, a spirit-filled life. That means that the Holy Spirit doesn't take a day off. It's with you. And it's, and it's for us to grow spiritually stronger to become more and more like Christ. Right now, as we read the Word of God, here's what's happening supernaturally. As I'm preaching the Word of God, the Holy Spirit in you is confirming these things. I'm watching you. You're shaking your head. I hear a few amens. That is the Holy Spirit saying what He's saying is truth. The, the Holy Spirit is revealing truth through His Word. And so Jesus provides spiritual life. And last, Jesus Christ the Savior provides eternal life that's a hallelujah <laughs> we don't like to think about that though do we but jesus also provides us a life with him forever and forever and we can't wrap our minds around time we already established that tonight and it's eternal and we're with him in his presence and it'll be better than when he walked on earth because we won't have the sin of the earth like they did walking with Jesus. They had problems, they were worried, they were fearful. When we're with the presence of God for eternity, we don't have the worries of this world. We leave the cares of this world. It's not coming with us. The sin of the world ain't coming with us. And it's gonna be a huge party. Kind of like one we held out here. I hope there's donuts and ice cream. I don't know what service you went to, but 
Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. I want to talk about that. Darkness, think about this. And, and can, uh, production, can you put that slide up of that and leave it up there for quite a while? There you go. Think about this as you look at this picture. Darkness is the absence of light. You see, what John wants us to know is in the presence of Christ, there is no darkness. There cannot be any darkness in the presence of Christ. Here's why. Because light dispels darkness, but darkness cannot override light. Look at that picture. Darkness cannot block out that light bulb. Now, if the electric goes out, okay. Light will always dominate over darkness. Think about Jesus. He says, I'm the light in a dark world. He will always, always dominate darkness. Now, when you think of darkness, many of us know someone who doesn't know the Lord. And you hear this saying, maybe you even think it yourself, they don't know the Lord, right? And so in the New Testament, it says that they have blinders, they're spiritually blind. They're in the dark, they don't know. They're spiritually, they're spiritually walking in darkness. Well, one of the names of Satan is known as the dark one, right? And so there's this battle. In fact, Corinthians 4.4, 4, listen, it says Satan, who is the God of this world, has, here we go, blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. You see that spiritual battle going on? And so this is what John's saying. In fact, here's 8.12 again. I want to show it to you now. I am the what? We'll say it again. The light of the world. Whoever follows me will never what? Walk in darkness. In other words, walk with Satan. But will have the light of life. Because Jesus is in us. And he provides that safe path what's the spiritual application from all this following jesus christ means that we walk in the presence we are never left alone in the darkness when jesus is in our life amen verse six and eight there was a man sent from god whose name was john he came from a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe and he himself was get this he himself was not the light he came only as a witness to the light. So here's what we see in this verse. John has now answered how Jesus will be revealed to the world when he begins his ministry on earth. And he says, there's a man that will come. Well, who's this man? Who is John? He says, John, John who? John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? John is known as, you'll hear him referred to as the forerunner right? The forerunner of, of Jesus Christ. He was born to uh, an elderly father, Zechariah, and his barren wife, Elizabeth. So God is already behind the scenes performing miracles for this forerunner, John the Baptist, to come that is going to share the light of the world and, and recognize and point out to the world, this is, this is a Messiah you've been waiting for. And so Elizabeth the mother of John the Baptist was also a relative of Mary, who was Mary, right? The mother of Jesus. And both ladies became pregnant 
just a few months apart. And so John the Baptist's ministry, his role, was alluded to the prophecy from, you see it, or I'll read it to you, Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet in chapter 40, verse 3, write it down. And here's what it says, which spoke, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. This is what John's mission was. And John the Baptist's ministry was to prepare the world for the ministry that Jesus would do on earth for a short time, right? Three and a half years. Look at Matthew 3.11. I have it up there. I baptize you with water for repentance. This is John the Baptist saying this. But after me comes the one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit and fire. And so you see what's happening is people from all over, from, from Jerusalem, Judea, the whole region of Jordan, they confessed their sins and they were baptized in the Jordan River. And, and John the Baptist fulfilled his role prior to Jesus hitting the scene. Look at verse 9. We're going to read 9 through 11. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, th- and though the world has made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He's talking this, what's happening here is John's talking about Jesus' personal family, his brothers, his region, his town, his city. It'd be like Sebastian. You, you know truth, nobody else believes you. And so even his own town rejected him. You see, the world rejected Jesus in his time. And I just put it this way, we see today the world we live in now, it is also rejected Jesus. I believe that our our country right now is rejecting Jesus. I see it. I see it happening all the time. And it's interesting. I believe that the world will continue to reject Jesus until he returns. He was rejected when he was there, living proof. He's rejected now, and I believe he'll be rejected until he comes down. And when he comes... People are not going to reject it. They're like, uh-oh, this Jesus thing, it's real. Like, this isn't some crazy light show. This is happening. And that trumpet that sounds, I, I can't even imagine what that's going to be like Like in the high-tech world. You know, I got a lot of engineers here. I, I always think about that, like, what's that going to be like? Like, this is going to come across all the satellites on TV, and, and we hear this, like, awesome, glorious sound. And we who are in him, he's in us and we're in him, we're going to know. You know. We don't need to read the little print that's going across our TVs. We're going to know. We're going to know. Our Savior is with us and he's going to take us with him. All right, I got distracted. I'm celebrating. Sorry. Look what James, listen to what James says about all this. It's found in James 4.4. 4. You adulterous people, Talking about us today, maybe. Don't you know that friendship with the world means you're an enemy against God? 
Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You know what James is simply saying here? As we're thinking about the world rejecting Jesus, he's calling us out and he's saying, you can't please the world and please God at the same time. It's impossible. Some of us have tried to do that. I have tried to do that. It doesn't work too long. It's exhausting. Anybody with me? You cannot please the world and please God at the same time. That's kind of like saying, and I'll, and I'll ask you, can you be half pregnant? Ladies? No. It's impossible, right? Can you be allergic to peanuts and eat peanut butter without a reaction? It's impossible. Can you hate and love, can hate and love be yoked together at the same time? It's impossible. There is no room for hate when love is present. And we cannot love the things of the world and love God at the same time because it's a divided heart. Look at verse 12. John goes on to say, Yet all who did receive him to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You ever hear anybody say, I'm a child of God or I'm an heir of God or I'm an ambassador of God? You know what they're doing? They're bragging on their, on their Jesus because we inherit the righteousness of Christ when this happens. Look at verse 13. Then he goes on to say, children born not of a natural descent nor of human decision or husband's will, I love that, but born of God. What was John saying here in this verse? He says, when we believe who Jesus is and receive him into our heart, we automatically have a new life. But this new life that we receive, it's not like a physical life. It's not like a newborn. It's not like we have a do-over, although some of us really wish we could have a do-over with our bodies, right? It's not like that. See, it's a, it's a, it's a new life in the Spirit. It's a spiritual new life. Right? You remember the story in the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus? Nicodemus, Jesus is, you know, he is a Jew and he was a fair he was a high leader and he's having this conversation. You know the story. And it kind of goes down like this. I'm paraphrasing, but Nicodemus is saying, you know, what must I do? Like, like, how do I get born again? What's this born again stuff, right? And he goes, is it like climbing back into the mother's womb and then being born again? Like he's thinking about the physicalness of being born again. Jesus is saying, no. When, you, when you're born again, it's a spiritual thing that takes place. You're, you're in, you're, the old man is gone, but a new spirit comes in you, thus making you new. There's a zeal, there's a fire that ignites in you, and it's coming from God. How many of you experienced that fire of God on you when you got saved? Some of you got bap like baptized in the Spirit when you got saved. And that's what Nicodemus didn't understand. And Jesus saying, no, it's a spiritual birth. I found this quote. I don't even know who Henry Drummond is, but legally we have to quote him. And I don't want to make that claim that I came up with it. But look what it says. The spiritual life is the gift of the living spirit. And the spiritual man is no mere development of the natural man. He is a new creation born from above. I love that. 
And so look at verse 14 through 18. We're going to close it up now. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse 16, out of, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. If you underline your Bibles or highlight on your pads and iPhones, highlight this, grace in place of grace already given. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. We already talked about that. And grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Here's the question that I have. First of all, I want to make a statement. Grace in place of grace already given. You know what he's, you know what John is saying there? When he said grace that was already given, John was indicating that Jesus came. You, he's done away with the old law. The grace upon the people he was talking to in front of him was Jesus Christ came. And that's the grace of God because something huge is about to happen that you're going to discover in God's Son. And so that's what he's talking about. But let me ask you a question. How much grace are we allowed to receive from the Lord? <laughs> and he, yeah. I mean, it's funny, but some people think that way. Well, I can't have grace from God. I, I already I asked him for grace and forgiveness last week. Or, or two days ago, or, or today when I threw snow at the football players in the car, right? But when we think of grace, is there a limit that we can have? Is there such a thing as too much grace from God? Is grace in short applied because of COVID? Does it go like this? I'm sorry, God is all out of grace because we have no employees to manufacture grace right now. It's on backup. Is that what happens? Thank God it doesn't happen. The truth is we're all recipients of God's constant grace. With God, there is no limit of grace in our lives. And God's grace is inexhaustible. He doesn't get tired of giving us grace. Anyone here tonight feels like you used up all of God's grace this month? We're not even done with the month yet. Anybody? Oh, you're not going to admit that? Okay. Come on Wednesday night. You'll get used to admitting. You, yeah. yeah. You guys get comfortable on Wednesday night with us. We all have. We all feel that way from time to time. But here's the good news. You haven't, ex you haven't exhausted them. God is ready and willing to pour his grace out upon you. When you ask, when you humble, you ask for forgiveness, he'll give you his grace. He'll give you his grace. That's the character of God. I want to invite the band up on stage at this time. And I want to talk to you. Verse 18, let's look at it. And all verse 18 really re reiterates for this teaching is the same theme that John described as the Trinity in verse 1. Let's read it. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God. That's key. That verse right there 
underline it because you're going to have somebody that goes, how did God come down in the flesh? How is Jesus and God the same person? That doesn't make sense in my minute mind. It doesn't make sense in mine either. There's the verse right there. You point them to that verse. The one and only Son, who is God Himself. And God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made known to Him. I have up on the screen the title of this message, and I want to end it like this. God has come. God has come. You may be sitting here and you go, why? Why did God come? God came so that we could know Him. The question tonight is, do you know Jesus? I'm not talking about, do you know Jesus or know of Jesus the way the Israelites, God's chosen people, knew Jesus. They knew of Him. What I'm asking you tonight to search your heart is, do you really know Jesus in an intimate and personal way. Have you received Him into your life? Maybe you walked away from Him. At the beginning of this teaching, I ask you, has your, has your faith wavered in what you believe about the Gospel? Is the enemy beating you up this week, this month, last year, or the year before? That what you believed about Jesus Christ, that you are saved and set apart and eternal with Him and forgiven. Have you wavered in that belief? Would you bow your heads with me? God, for all of those that are listening and those that are here tonight, we thank You for Your presence. God, if there's anyone listening and they said, Pastor David, that's me. I need my faith increased. My faith has wavered. If I'm honest with you, God, I don't even know if I'm saved. God, if that's someone that's praying that prayer, God, would you just pour just an extra dose of faith upon them right now as we speak, God. Just begin to flood them overflow them with faith, confirm what they know and have believed for many, many years, or maybe even a week. Did I really mean it? God, would you secure them in their salvation through your spirit because they have invited you in as Lord and Savior. God, I pray that those that are listening, that we would not become complacent in a time like 2022. And I pray for anyone here tonight and listening that if you thought you knew Jesus as your Savior, but you realize tonight after listening to God's heart and God's character that John showed us, we realize that we don't really know of, of the Lord as our Savior. As everybody's listening, I want to pray that prayer. You say, God, I want to mean it. And God, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. And God, with every heart that's now confessing that to you, as they pray with me, God, would you come in and give them a new spirit-filled life? Father, I need to know for sure that I am truly saved. 
God, would you forgive me of my sins? Would you increase my faith? Today, I believe that you are the Son of God and that you came down to this earth and you died on that cross for my sin and that you rose that I would have a new life and that you sent your Holy Spirit. God, would you send your Spirit to come into me right this moment? And God, would you pour your spirit upon that person praying that prayer? We thank you, Lord, for doing that. God, we thank you for sending your spirit. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. And Lord, as I pray this prayer and I believe in that, God, would you begin to walk me into this new life? Would you increase my spirituality so that I know your word? Would you put a zeal and fan the flame and start that fire in me maybe for the first time? I love you, Lord. And I thank you in this in Jesus' name. And everyone said,